0: I mean, people have to say, oh, yes, and it was wonderful and everything else. <laughs> no, it was hard. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. It was hard. I, I have to be honest and say, yeah, I, I say, I, I believe people should involve communities and I believe that the, the local community should, should, should be. Because this is where we fail, you know. This is where we fail, the single leadership process. I mean, forget about saved, the white savior, the savior. No, no, no. The thing is, can we work together? Can we have more group um, and collaborative process? Can we work things out? Can we focus on a larger vision and, and, and make things happen in a tangible way? That includes the community and where the community has lead?
1: Marie-Rose is a nonprofit management consultant, and she started a community foundation in Haiti back in 2010 after the massive earthquake which killed several hundred thousand people. This has led her into about eight years of intensive support to community-driven planning. And this has not always been a happy story, and it certainly has not been an easy journey, but I think it is an important one. Amongst other topics, we get into what it's really like to encounter international institutions as a black Haitian woman in a context where just 0.6% of aid goes to locally led organizations. What it takes to build real connections between diverse, fragmented and often polarized local communities. How her own family's heritage of political activism connects with and compares with work in the modern development system with its very peculiar assumptions and operating models. This is One Step Forward. My name is Ian Quick Let's get into it. If people ask you what you do for a living, say you're at a wedding, you're meeting a friend of a friend, how do you describe <laughs> that to them? Everyone always laughs I, I, at that question.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's a very good question. I mean, I usually say, oh, I work in a non profit and... You know, if they don't work in a non it, which most of them don't, they sort of like look at me. Some people, when they ask questions, I mean, it, it, sort of, it gets interesting because mm-hmm. if they want to know more, because I don't want to get, I mean, like, like a lot of us people who are walking in the field, it's sort of hard not to get on, your, uh, just go and, and, and really get too much into it. And I try not to borrow people. You know, because most people are not necessarily interested, or I try to translate. It's a different perspective when you're talking about, if you're talking to people in Haiti or if you're talking to people in the U.S., it's very Mm -hmm. different. In the U.S., you know, people tend to think, a lot of people tend to think, oh, we give so much money to other countries, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which drives me nuts. And, um, you know, and, and I have to try to explain to them a little bit And I try to use images and metaphors. For example, I've been known to describe international development as people coming, the experts coming to your door, people coming and they see themselves as experts. To your house, you have a a leaking roof and and issues with lead painting. And they come, they push you aside with a big smile and they say, we know what your issue is. You need some brand new living room furniture. You know, and people look at me like, I say, well, you know, I think that the problem is that people usually come in. I mean, this is, I guess, from, from my perspective. And, and, and it's not just uh, in terms of expats or whatever. I think even in terms of, of people living in, 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 the, in the country, there isn't enough difference and respect for, for people, local leaders. And then there are different types of expertise, and, and, and especially in, in setups like, like this, which are you know, the fragmented where infrastructure is a problem. You know, you don't... The idea is that you don't assume that you know. So, at any rate, I feel like I'm getting off on a tangent. But, um, so, you know, I mean, uh, that's what I do. I mean, I think it's hard if I go... You ask about going to a party, it's one thing. You know, things can stay shadow, you know, and you smile. And then... Um, you know, when it's a different thing when you go to an interview, is trying to describe yourself. You know, I suppose in terms of what I see, I just see someone who just likes to facilitate change, and and will change, mm. um, and really uh, strongly believes in sort of like a bottom-up approach.
1: And you, one of the things that was was interesting when I was sort of scanning your profile is that you. I've worked both with community-based organizations, if I can use that phrase, in New England uh, and also, obviously, in, in Haiti. Does your the tangent that you, that you went on or that um, sort of summary that you gave, does that apply to both? Is it, would you make the same comment in, in, in both
0: cases? You know, uh, I mean, it's been interesting because my approach in so many ways I had just a very strong sense of fairness and justice.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, and I was raised, and I have a strong sense that people are people. And for me, it's categories of human beings. And sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it's not helpful, because there is some sort of a, a difference that I don't necessarily show to people who have power and money. For me, they are people, and sometimes they take exception to that. It's hard for me to leave things alone. You know, if there is something wrong and something that I strongly believe in, I need to do something about it and I need to speak up. And it, it usually comes with trouble. <laughs> so, and, and you know, and usually it's a lot more work, frankly. And that's also why people don't focus on transformational love and transformative change. Like, I'll give you like one example. And it was something like about 21 years ago when I got this consultancy with which was sort of like very on a very tight timeline uh, with four different public housing groups in, in Boston. They were going to go, and supposedly they all wanted the same thing to apply to an economic development application for the federal government, and then they said they were going to go and, and, and sort of like talk about turnip management, and that, that's what they were going to focus on. And for me, I couldn't leave it alone. I mean, it would have been a lot easier and just sort of say, okay, let me just do one application, change a little bit, make it easy on myself. And i just like, this is for different communities, very different communities.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There's no way they want the same thing. I'd They really talk to people and try to find out. So I sort of like went and talked to some of the leaders and arranged to have community meetings to sort of like discuss the needs and, and try to figure out what the priority is. And uh, I sort of ended up with four different applications because they all they had all different needs.
2: Mm.
0: So, yeah, I mean, in, in any context, whether it's New England, whether it's, it's not necessarily welcome. Do mm. you know what I mean? and um you know i would i would say that i try to make sure that i learn from people and that they they are they are the lead that i just facilitate their the process uh, as respectfully as i can
1: so this this sort of the tendency to come to the house and uh start telling you what you, d- you do and don't need, as you put it, which uh, obviously sounds familiar from the international development world. That is true to a certain extent, uh, even domestically in the U.S., you think? You see the same? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I
0: mean, I think once I got involved in the international development scene, it was, it was sort of like it felt so weird to see some of the same issues playing out Mm. Because but then in the US what you're talking about is frankly, I mean you know, the the same imbalances of power. Uh communities of color not being in charge, um, organizations led by people of color getting less funding, uh the experts feeling like they know and not involving the community. I mean, it, yeah, it's it's the same, frankly. The international development scene I mean, I, I, I guess I was a call, and I'm not sure it's because, you know, I'm, I'm Haitian, I'm not sure if it's, a, you know, I'm black, I'm not sure, you know, whatever it is, if it's the combination, or, you know, I basically ended up, because I first approached different organizations about, you know, the idea of a community foundation and the type of work we were looking at, and they were not interested,
2: mm.
0: and we started this organization. It was probably the most difficult way of doing it, because, as you know, it's like, they They fund international organizations, not local organizations. Um, I was some sort of an upstart, you know. Um, but I think I've been sort of appalled because it's about it's going on nine years. I've just been kind of appalled at what I feel is supposed to be normal. Um, and what's supposed to be normal is is the the expert mentality the aid recipient not knowing the the uh the hypocrisy, the idea that oh yes of course they know we're gonna support the local leadership but frankly no one's really walking the talk and just the resiliency of what I call the status quo is just and and and, and the prejudices frankly, you know it's 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 wow. Mm. For me it was a shock.
1: Walk me through the the early days there, you it was two thousand ten, I think, from the website. You, yeah, I mean, obviously, you would had, had in mean, your Haitian, you had been involved there previously, but that was the point at which you thought you would engage in in this much more uh, intensive way with the foundation. Is that right?
0: In two thousand nine, I stayed away from Haiti because there were, you know, my family would come and visit because most of my family is in Haiti. My family has very deep roots, goes back before the independence. Mm-hmm. And all through the history of Haiti, you'll find relatives of mine <laughs> causing trouble. <laughs> 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 it's in the blood. So, no, well, that's nice. That's nice. That's a nice thing
2: to have. <laughs> well,
0: well, it's nice. It also was nice to sort of like learn about the history of my family. Um, like my great-grandmother, when she was a child, when her, her father was one of the three brothers, quite that had been against the opposition, but it eventually ended up being executed.
2: Mm.
0: But, uh, and, uh, you know, my uh, grandfather, when he was in law school, was one of the, was part of the, the nine students who organized the first student protest in Haiti uh, against the American occupation. My thing was, I've been involved in community development for most of my life, except for the first three years where I was trying to figure out what I was going to do in the U.S. I stayed away because there was a period of intense insecurity, and um, several people from my family were kidnapped. But I was starting to feel, feel like disconnected. It's like a, a tree without roots, and I really almost like felt like I needed to go back. Things calmed down a little bit, and in 2009, I went after a few years of being away, and um, um, I was appalled you know, to the extent where the Haiti, Haiti, the way it is now, is not the Haiti where I walk. It is absolutely not. I was appalled by the decline of the physical infrastructure of all of the issues. Poverty was so much more painfully there. it, it just woke my heart. And I was just like, okay, I've been working in community development for all this time. I have this expertise. i got to do something. When the earthquake happened, I didn't feel like I had a choice. Mm. But I have to say that all I was thinking, I wasn't, I mean, not to say that it wasn't, because I think all of us, it was a collective trauma for Haitians in here and abroad. And all of us just really felt completely uh, deeply devastated by all of that. But I kept, started thinking, what can I do? But I kept thinking about the long term. I mean, the causes, the root causes, I mean, obviously not of the earthquake, but of, of uh, some of the issues we we're looking at. And then, you know, sort of the long term, the long term needs, the structural issues in terms of our environment. But there was also a lot of, uh, percolate, uh, percolating of ideas, people thinking maybe it's our chance to sort of like rebuild right, but I'm talking about Haitians Mm. and I one of the things that I think is probably the most painful is all in so many ways, in such a terrible way we were marginalized and all of this wasn't, this kind of energy wasn't um, leverage Mm. And, and I was saying that there was pure cohesion and it was a plan and everything else, but just sort of like the pattern and all it happened, you know, we were robbed, you know, beaten and, and raped for goodness sick. Mm-hmm. So there was just this, this I mean, there, there was a lot of anger. Uh, and I will tell you that, uh, I, I, like, when there was the next big disaster with with Matthew, mm-hmm. Matthew people were like, we don't want. They were not, and that was also another opportunity that I feel like we missed. People were like, and that that's still sort of there. we like, okay, we, we want to fund local organization. We don't want to see some of those people. From the start, in terms of looking at what I was doing, I mean, I was first thinking about, because I started talking to a lot of people, and I would not say that it was like a formal survey. It was more like consultations. I talked to about 90-something uh, people in groups, and some of them or individuals.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But really trying to find out, what they thought, because I mean I was away I mean I've I've never I really don't feel like the expert if anything I feel like I have learned so much and some of the places where I've learned the most are at the community level and they I've learned because I I would come and they would know that I was they could sense I was sincere and I said I'm here to learn
2: mm.
0: you know best and and it never fails it it, it is. It is, for me, it's always a thrill. Like I go and start having this conversation with, with some people that people assume know nothing and whatever. And I learned so much. But from the start, I was like thinking, okay, it needs to be, if, if first it was like, okay, the community foundation was going to be perhaps long term. And then there were going to be some, some ways to link international donors to local organizations, because people had no sense about what was there, you know, and a lot of people still don't, frankly, you know. I sort of went in after my conversations, because I just thought the first thing people were going to say was going to be, oh, it's about money. Look at all this money, and it's going... No, it, it really wasn't. It was first about a sense of um, sense of lack of control of the duration, and, and I felt like I was listening. It, it was almost chilling. Because I feel like I was listening to the same, same sort of conversation. Lack of control, uh, one lack of support, and the money would come after that. Okay, it's very hard to have. So I sort of like realized because my life was in the U.S. To be honest with you, I mean my husband's American, my children are born, you know, born here. I mean, my I've been a consultant and doing well until I started, you know, pouring myself. In Haiti, but, um, and I sort of like realized that, that really uh, I couldn't just do, we couldn't just do another band aid, that it needed to be deeper than that. It needed to be stronger than that. And, um uh, that took me on an interesting journey. From the start, it was this idea that just a really strong network. Whether it was international, the US being part of it, but eventually other countries or, you know, local, regional, I mean, national, regional, you know, and also as inclusive as possible. We're so fragmented. There are so many divisions. And some of it, I think, is kind of also the idea that sometimes very often a founder comes and they're liberal founders and they're like, well, you know, it's... Uh, those people, so it's the idea yeah, of us against them, we're going to support the grassroots, except that eventually they move away, you know? Mm. And if you don't try to build some sort of local support, if you don't try to build local philanthropy, if you, to stimulate local philanthropy, that doesn't exist in some ways, but something, you know, to develop it, to nurture it, and to develop some sort of an ecosystem, then what happens when you're gone? And what happens, anyway, to the country as a nation?
1: And what did that look like in the, in the early going? You wrote it up on, on a short article I was reading, but if you could sort of explain, you know, this is back in 2009-10, how do you go about that as a first step? Because it's such a, a big sort of problem statement, right? It's sort of a, a system It's huge. Thing.
0: It's huge. Mm. It's huge. It's a huge vision. In so many ways, I feel like, and I've, I've said that, that I feel like we've been like the, the little engine that could. <laughs> I think at first I was fueled by a mixture of not just passion, but rage. Now that I've, I've after a few years where I almost burned myself out, sort of like at one point I stepped back and started looking at it and I, I, I just, I let it consume me. I mean, in terms of involving people, I don't know how many dolls, I'm not that, I, you know, raised some money from, individual, you know, donations, we had very little money mm-hmm. and I think some people responded to the vision and they, 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 they felt that, some people were there for a little bit and whatever. There are some people that have been around since that time, which I think is wonderful. And and for some people, they were not, they understood some of the needs. I mean, especially people, you know, I mean, Haitians understood the needs. Um, Some of the concepts, you know, they were not, you know, completely uh, clear. So what I ended up doing is to, I mean, I spent a lot of time in Haiti, going back and forth. I mean, there were committees. And then I found some allies, and one of the key allies was, in uh, actually the Global Fund for Community Foundations. Uh, sometime at the end of 2010 I was able to connect with Jenny Hudson, the, the Executive Director, and we had a very long conversation in 2011. And I remember Jenny saying, well, we, you know, I guess, Marius, we cannot not do it.
2: Hmm.
0: You know, Kellogg had approached us because they were looking, going back in Haiti and looking at Community Foundation at first. Then um, the Puerto Rico Community Foundation was also involved because there was a Haitian diaspora there. So we ended up having a lot of different planning meetings. And then we had decided to have a first, I say planning meetings with this this, this, uh, committee, but to first have some sort of a forum where we would invite a lot of people from different constituencies and then really ask the question, does Haiti need a community foundation? So I ended up planning a lot of that. We had a very, very diverse group, anywhere from sort of like Haitian millionaire to Haitian grassroots leader to international stakeholder, you know, whatever. I mean, I remember uh, someone from the entire American that uh, telling me, "My oh, it's a very diverse group. Do you think it's going to be okay? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna
0: be. Okay. And they were all leaders wherever they were coming from, and we had a two-day, you know, forum. People were unanimous in terms of like, oh yeah, we definitely need a community foundation. We don't have one, and we we need. It. You have to understand, Ian, that community foundation in Haiti means I mean, it's financial community, it's very generic. It's mm-hmm. as if you say, oh, a, a community a community organization. It's as if you say CSO or CBO. You know. Mm-hmm. So that's also another challenge, trying to explain to someone, you know, the concept to people. So, I mean, it started, one of the things that sort of like, you know, people were not really completely grasping it. So we decided to have a step two with the idea that we were going to have community foundations from different parts of the world, you know, sort of like present their models. Uh, So we had... KCDF, Kenya Community Development Foundation. And then we had uh, a couple of foundations from Mexico. We had we had about 24 people this time, larger group at first. The first one had been like, I think, about 20-something. And then uh, also people from, from, from the religious side. We had actually a uh, Voodoo priest was, I mean, it's kind of a like bishop was there. I had met him at a community meeting, and, 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 and he... he um, he had, good and, he had good and interested and involved, mm. which I understand it was sort of somewhat of a privilege because he didn't take kindly to anybody, so, well, you know, you know, just people that can be fairly worth and whatever, but some are you. and then at that point people started, there was an amazing level of energy, I mean, if I send you the photo, you could see the energy coming through. And and then people started talking about the need of having a pilot, the pilot program. Mm. But as we move forward, one of the things that happened was that um, it was clear and it was clear to us that we were going to have a bottom-up process that we had to find out because it was all new. It was new to to, to most people. It was new to the country. We had to figure out what model worked for us. And we had to do it with the community. Okay, There is an expression, "get on some heads together, you know, in Creole, which means they together, but the idea that we were working with the community. But I will tell you that was interesting because, you know, one of the founders that said that they were going to support, you know, basically said, you know, at one point, you know, send something and, well, we should do this, you should do that. They were basically asking for some sort of a business plan, you know, and for us to sort of like show the outcomes. How could we show the outcomes? Up- and, and, you know, the people were, the committee were just like taken back. It's like, what? what are we talking about? I mean, if we're going to find out with the community, or can we tell them now what it's going to be, that will not necessarily be. If we tell them, that means that we're basically setting up everything, you know, without the input of the community.
2: Mm.
0: So that that wasn't helpful. But along the way, we had to make some choices when it comes to that, because another, integrity has a cost, you know. And if you really want to have, truly want to be have a community process because in Haiti, really, you know, there's this. You know, we have systems that we we call Moonpa, like your own people. We can be good, you know, because it means like okay, you have your network and everything else. But if you know the culture, it's, it's sort of stronger and deeper than that because it can be what it means. Sometimes it means that it's 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 fairly subjective and exclusional. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And It is also, it's at the source of a lot of the problems, including, you know, of of issues or politics can be, because basically, if you don't have one of your, you know, mudpa, you know, you're not part of the group, you're out. So from the start, it was like the idea that we wanted something that was more structured. We wanted to move away from some of this and go into something that was more, having a platform that's more inclusive more um, systematic, and I i think I'm very proud to say that we built it, it was easy and more inclusive, uh, because frankly, I mean, people love to say, oh, yes, and it was wonderful and everything else, <laughs> no,
2: it was hard, <laughs>
0: I'm
2: yes. sorry, it was hard. No.
0: involved communities, and I believe that the, the local community should, should, should be. But i am got to tell you, you know, as you know, I'm sure you know, it gets messy, and it, it gets really challenging. I mean, we have to deal with all types of issues, and, and I, at one point I was just like, okay, because I'm kind of pragmatic, but, you know, I have a really deep core of idealism, and I was just like, okay, that's it, you just, you're going for the pipe team here. Mm-hmm. I was pulling my hair out because we were dealing with all the politics, on uh, class and gender and you know politics, colouring. I mean all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't want to. So, uh, and I and I, the other emphasis that we we had was like a group process as opposed because this is where we fail, you know. This is where we fail the single leadership process. I mean forget about the white saviour the saviour. No, no, no. We we have green people all over the world. This is not even, you know, there's not even a question. You know, maybe people don't realize it. But the thing is, can we work together? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Mm. Can we have more group um, and collaborative process? Can we work things out? Can we focus on a larger vision and, and, and make things happen in a tangible way? That includes the community and where the community has to lead. So, uh, but it, it came together. It came together. And I I remember, but I remember, but I'll tell you what I think was was very, because as we decided, because we had also another thing when we chose, well, we had to select the, the region, which is the Gunas. I gotta tell you that some of the funders, you know, that we have, were just like the Gunas. Because, you know, in Haiti, there are some areas that get funded more than others, you know, that get invested, you know, whether USAID, COVIDOS or whatever. So people were felt like, oh, you know, we have to go through one of these areas. Mm-hmm. But as we had gone through the courses in terms of discussing different areas and developed some criteria, need access, interest and everything else, it became clear, I mean, even like other the people were like, okay, the gun as really as you need. It's very far away from Portal Points. It takes about um, you know seven hours of, of difficult code. Mm -hmm. and it's really kind of like in a country that's left behind, it's it's a region that's left behind. But, you know, some point is like, oh, maybe we can, you know, if we have a community process, if we have a, people have to respect that, and I think they have a hard time. They have their opinions, and I don't disagree, but, you know, I mean, but this is, again, the organizing piece. This is not not about Mario, this is not about, you know, Francois, this is not about whatever, this is a process, a community process, and as the network building, become something that's part of a network process, as you know network has grown. And when we went to the GONAS, and we started with some sort of a forum too, where we had the local experts talk about different areas and also talk, you know, we talked about what we've done so far in the community foundation, what is it, whatever, and, and the need for a planning process, and people said yes. We asked for permission, we didn't say we are coming. And we had a, a local group. Uh, we had a bumps uh, on the road, trying to figure out some sort of structure. but again, there this is again, if you want the people to leave, they, you, you gotta learn as much as you're like biting your tongue and whatever. you gotta be it's a, it's a difficult dance. It's yeah. like, but you have to give them room to make the mistakes and to learn. Mm-hmm. So they came up with some elaborate you know structure or whatever. I looked at it and I'm thinking, <laughs> but that was your choice. And eventually, there was, you know, I mean, it, it wasn't working, and it, it created a lot of different things. What I did, though, talking about being kind of a disruptor and agitator, was like, after 12, 13, 14 hours, there were people like putting pulling me on the side of whatever, water, and I said, okay, we all need to talk together. And we had an explosive meeting, I remember, and, and people, we things. But as we started the process, which had been designed by the regional committee, um, I will tell you something. I got very stressed out because I realized that this was getting bigger and bigger. Mm. People knew that we didn't have money because it was the idea we were going to go with the planning process, find out an asset-based approach, making clear like okay what are your assets your issues your challenges whatever explore all different things and then what are the solutions and then the priorities and in a sort of like consensus space the interesting thing is that very often people had not you know in these counties or whatever had not even really met as they they were very surprised to find out that as they met that a lot of them shared the common common concerns and shared their shared priorities and that if they actually put themselves together they would, they could address some of them. They didn't have to wait for the saviors, mm-hmm. and that happened. And that was also one of our goals, you know. Uh, and they would, people would start coming together and meeting on their own, just you know, and discussing and, and you know, because a society or a country is only as strong as as it, its networks. And uh, it's not that we never had networks and we don't have networks, but a lot of it because of the Political, uh, you know, uh, or, or history and, and interventions or different things, has really been sort of like decimated. So there is there is a need for all of that. There is a need for meeting. There is a need for healing. There is a need for, for all of the things that are really tearing us apart. And there is a need, in terms, especially with the terrible infrastructure that we have, for people to to, to come together. But I'm not sure, actually You talk about the U.S. Some people, like in the U.S., were like, "What are you doing? This is not the way it goes. Usually, you start, you raise the money, and you then you talk to the community." But mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean that that's what they were tell me
2: yeah.
0: And they didn't understand why, you know, we were sort of like bringing people together like this. But it's probably one of the most needed things, <laughs> you know, especially that that there were there are specific goals in terms of people addressing the short-term and long terms, okay, setting up the priorities and you know it is amazing amazing when you learn from people you're opening up and you you don't you really listen and work with them instead of making assumptions you know to realize how much they think about it Mm -hmm. and 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 how much they know about the root causes because for example like I remember there's one community it's called Franco that where no one had been I said, no one, you know, the people who live there. and really had any intervention there for at least like seventeen years, if not more. And it basically formed the Gonaïves, which is whatever formed the capital of the Guadeloupe. Really it took like two or three hours to get to a point in the car where, afterward, it was car. Yeah, I'm seeing cars, yeah, donkeys, and or walking by feet which love putting that in the budget. Um, and, uh, <laughs> in
1: donkey budget. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, Yeah. transport, donkeys. We ended up, we were supposed to have about 30 people. We had about 70 people for two days. And these people have like huge issues in terms of access to water. It takes five hours to have access to water, to market and to, you know, healthcare and everything else. But a lot of the the members of the regional group thought that the first priority was going to be water, okay? Because we are actually what water. That was going to be water, you know? You know, the first priority wasn't water. The second priority wasn't water. Do you know what it was? It was sort of the 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 rebuilding of two stretches of woods that were completely impossible to navigate if they are in bad weather, mm-hmm. and that this rebuilding was going to actually cut down by about half, like, the access to all of the things that the community needed. So, for me, you know, it's an example that I love to use because, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, people don't know better or people don't whatever. And I I have to shake my head, Ian. I have to shake my head.
1: I mean, in a way, it's surprising. In a way, it's absolutely not surprising. But given the vast amounts of money that flooded into the country after 2010 and... and, uh, obviously to a much lesser extent after Hurricane Matthew it is surprising you could find communities that have not
2: um,
1: been part of that sort of wider process at all right
0: it, it's hard to imagine the level of, of geographic uh, concentration of resources in Haiti hmm. but we're really talking about a huge, we call Port of the Republic of Port of mm-hmm.
2: because
0: you know Everything is concentrated there. I mean, actually, by in terms of the constitution of what is it, ninety six or ninety seven? There's, there's, you know, supposed to be a, a decentralization, but it's never really quite happened. There are things that, and and that's a huge issue. Porto yeah. Points is so congested. If you go there, there's constant, constant, constant relock. It exploded. Mm -hmm. You know, you talk about 3 million people, that's probably a lot more. Then there are people coming from the outside to go there, uh, you know, and it's so dense that it's unbelievable. And then, I mean, uh, you go out of water points. I mean, you have, like, some other cities, like Capalitien, you know, some of the larger cities, and Jacques Mm -hmm. But most of the resources are are from there. And people tend to avoid sort of like the more, uh, you know, the less accessible areas. Even where, I mean, in general, in terms of international organizations, um, I mean, even in terms of of disaster relief, they Mm -hmm. will focus on centers. Mm -hmm. And they don't necessarily work with local organizations or local leaders, okay? Uh, Because I don't know if it's the expert or they think that they know better or they don't want to admit that they don't know. But what they don't realize is, uh, I mean, basically, they are serving the people. uh, They are leading out the people who um, are most in need. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I know that our group, because through the planning process that we did in the Nagorno's region, where we ended up, I mean... And I will tell you, I want to say that because I know I was getting really stressed at the beginning because I saw people knowing they were not going to find money, knowing they're whatever, they worked hours. That was at the time where we were not giving some allowance for, for transportation. Mm. Hours, hours to make it there. They were so thirsty to be involved and to have their say. And that was, for me, that was extremely stressful because I realized, for me, it was poignant because I realized, critical it was and how painful an issue it can be. Mm. Okay, in terms of communities being marginalized from their own process of development and how people felt about it. Um, but I think what happened I mean as we we ended up building a network and people really responded. And we have a strong regional network and which it's very interesting because and uh, of hundreds of people from very from cross-sectoral and class and everything extremely diverse and what and after the hurricane match because Uganas was the, the region that was affected mm-hmm. people I mean I lost their houses but they mobilized and we also the first thing we did because that has become the culture of the organization we said we need to know what the leaders want what the communities want so we ended up meeting with 240 people it has 12 communes Uganas has 12 communes 240 people and then um, put together a lot of information and talk about, you know, what their priorities. Based on that, we ended up developing, uh, and it's a a great document because it also sort of like, look, based on knowledge of the community and on the leaders about some of the things to, some of the solutions that people weren't necessarily thinking about. Forget about why a bottle of water. What about having some, some things to treat So of the existing bodies of water, so then it's not an issue and then you don't have to worry about, you know, kind of like waste and and all of this. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, very good, there were a lot of very good recommendations. Okay. So, you know, I mean, uh, I I think that uh, what happens sometimes in terms, you're talking about things being in touch. It's not about money. It's about your approach. And if you want to talk about money, I think very often what happened, you know, they talk about, I mean, you know, probably know about the Center for Global Development, and basically they could not track the money, could not figure out what the outcomes were and everything else. I mean, no accountability whatsoever. A lot of the money, and people started, like, getting really angry, you know, being spent on cars and everything else. But then I think also Haiti was, like, judged in terms of security and risk, as much of a risk as Afghanistan. So for certain people walking in international walk, they were getting on top of their salary, like something like uh, $6,000 like per month, the expats, you know, on top of it. Some of the, the scandals and some of the issues and abuses, whatever, have been coming later. Like, for example, you know, there were meetings and, oh, no, we're speaking English. I mean come on, Oh, imperialistic it is, you know, it's like, okay, fine, you don't speak the language, you don't speak French, you don't speak whatever, have a translator.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay? No, 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 we are speaking English because what? It's our own little backyard nation and, you know, we're going to, you know, do it the way we want. Mm. It's like, seriously? And, you know, but people complain about it, but it did not come to attention until I think a couple of of Western of course journalists bodied up in an article, you know, I don't know if it was two thousand and twelve or thirteen or fourteen, whatever.
2: Hmm.
0: And then people were like, Oh yeah, yeah, they were not, you know, speaking English at these meetings, And and the communities were not, you know, involved. And there was this an entire interim reconstruction committee where supposedly there were supposed to be some Haitians. And there are stories about this were basically, you know, it's like, Oh, no, 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 no. All of the Talk about that. The money went to to international organizations, as you know, zero point six percent directly to um, Haitian organizations or Haitian businesses, and you know, it's all supposed to be okay.
1: A lot of bits to unpack there, but just focusing for a second on that, you know, what's behind that figure of 06 percent? So, what what is the experience like when you? From your perspective, when you interact with uh, international institutions and you say, "Look, we're a you know a Haitian Haitian led Haitian run organization. We're engaged in this process. Would you like to partner with us?" How does that sort of play out uh, in practice? In Not
0: practice, well. I'm gathering, but you know. no. Well, you know, it, it was, I mean, it's very interesting because usually, I mean, after Matthew, I you know, I actually talked to one person. Um, an international organization because the idea is that we're going to use our report, and actually we got criticized. Some people on the network were not happy when we produced it in English first, with the idea that we were, and had it translated in French,
2: yeah.
0: and with the idea that we were going to reach out to some people and, and really hopefully get some help for people who are really not getting any. Mm-hmm. The more vulnerable people that were not getting any. It really wasn't there's not much of an interest, and it's more like, oh, yeah, sure, you can send it. Oh, this well, do they want to contact FAO. or Oh, well, there's this, there, people don't necessarily sort of like, take it seriously. They get their, their job, and to be honest with you, because part of our network, we have some people that are, that are Haitian that work for international organizations on the ground, mm-hmm. There's not only the lack of coordination and communication. I mean, there was things were somewhat better at the government level, actually, uh, when it came after Hurricane Matthew, because we did learn from the earthquake. <laughs> we did learn from the earthquake, hmm. uh, as much like uh, people tend to think like, you know, because people say, okay, let's figure out what was some of the different departments were talking. But there were different networks, the kind of like the, the UN, the, the, what do you call the, these things? the different the different groups there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then there was the the the, the Clinton group, the Clinton Initiative group. But then the government was also they were bringing different departments together, trying to really share information and, and be you know more strategic, which was helpful. Um but these these three groups were not necessarily these two networks were not necessarily interacting, you know, together. But we also know that even though people will say, oh yeah, we work with local partners and everything else. It, it's a lot of BS, Ian. There's the politically correct BS about all, all partners or local partners, except that inside there's really this sense of it's a completely different set of rules when you work, people work with local organizations and international organization. There's definitely a preference for local organizations, which is, you know, there, there, things happen more quickly. I mean, it's, it's very interesting. It's the moon pass system. <laughs> it's quickly, it's the moon pass system. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, USAID outlaid a lot of money after the, the, uh, the earthquake without an RFP to people who had some sort of a, you know, a mix with you, but they knew these people, they just went for it. And frankly, I'm not impressed in terms of especially what happened in Haiti with the capacity of international organizations at all. Mm. It's appalling. So what are they they
1: fixating on there? I mean, you know, we obviously hear this over and over is that um, there's a lack of capacities or lack of absorption capacity. Do you ever get a sort of more specific explanation of what it is that they're looking for? I mean, where is the where is the gap here that uh, funding agencies are seem to be concerned about?
0: To be honest with you, I just think, and I'm honest, I think it, it's, some of it is a setup of failure. Uh, it's like the idea, oh, we're going to play with the big boys, and if you can play the game, they can't play the game. They don't know, and whatever. There's some sort of a, you know, I, and obviously the policy, you could correct about it. And I think, again, I'm kind of like repeating a metaphor that I think, you know, you talk about teaching someone how to, to fish, okay, so they can fish and feed themselves. Well, it's easy, you know, and it, it doesn't mean anything if they don't have access to the water. Okay? And that's basically what it is. I mean, first of all, there's this idea that the only people who need capacity reinforcement are local organization. I just want to say, people, you have so much to learn, you don't even know. And then the other thing is, it's, you know, an opportunity for a lot of organizations to sort of uh, raise money. And I've seen some of that, and it's something that I want to make sure that, I, that people are aware, or some organizations are aware in Haiti, because I've been part of this and talking really about capacity. It's a question sometimes of time and resources. If you are doing too much, when the heck there are certain things that, you know, you just can't do mm-hmm. uh, because you don't have the resources. I see some of these things and I know that they're about localization and localization money where some organizations are saying, oh yeah, we're going to offer use a short application. We want to involve and have different groups and in the region. And I I know it's about mapping and I know it's about showing that they have local partners and that they are doing something to build the capacity of local organizations. But guess very often what's missing on the list of of all of that? You, most of the time, you don't see fundraising. You don't see sort of like help connecting to funders. There, there's a lot of, of key pieces that are critical that are not there. Can yeah. you elaborate a little? Well, I, I feel like, okay, they're going to talk about, you know, sort of like accounting. They're going to talk about this. They're going to talk about, you know, some of these things. And some of it is, is extremely basic. Mm-hmm. Like I know personally, like in our network, the level of leaders that we have the strength of the leaders is just tremendous we said some people like to some of these trainings and they are born to death it's so basic and I'm not saying that no one needs them but I think there's an underestimation of some of what's needed and there isn't necessarily I worry about what I feel it's not just a pattern and a zine it's, all, it's 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 a process of infantilization and almost sort of like holding back I mean it's like okay it's great to have you know for example Michael Michael loans what's the next level what's there to support the next level like I know different enterprises can't be we can be mostly rural and 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 have like Something over ninety percent of our financing not focused on on agri business. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there are a lot of issues that are internal. But if people are really trying to help, what about trying to find the gap as opposed to you know their own agenda? And again, I think we need as a country to take stability and just because I don't know if we've been good. No, it's not. I don't. Know. We haven't been good at managing some of this, a lot of this,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and part of it is corruption, and part of it is also sort of like the know-how, the, the, the and part of it is also, you know, some of the political thing. I mean, you're talking about political intervention. You know, I mean, I think it's funny in the U.S. where it you know, just in Russia, but the U.S. intervenes in political, you know, uh, in the politics all the time, I mean, including Haiti. You know what I mean? And the thing is that it's also, I mean, I remember there was this first guy that was going to be nominated as a prime minister that people very much respected. He was quoted in the newspaper as saying, we don't need the International Reconstruction Committee. That's something that should be managed by Haitians. And the minute he said that, I just knew that somebody was going to be blocked. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. I was just like, oh, couldn't you shut up for now and then do it after and it drives me nuts because I grew up with a father that I was a nationalist and I have a strong sense of pride. I know my history and a lot of people don't realize, you know, a lot about Haiti, but you know, it's like, and, and a lot of people, including in France and the U.S., don't teach about the Haitian Revolution because it's a significant thing for first people of color and for blacks all over the world mm-hmm. and for, you know, what happened in slavery. Why don't you teach about it? In France, there's like this battle, they have a, a dictionary of proper names. The name of it, Veltier, is not even in the dictionary. You'd think like it never
1: happened. But anyway. Coming back to this issue of, of fragmentation, as you put it, I mean, one of the few things I do know about Haitian history, which was, is that under the American occupation, and this is now, I guess, a century ago, there was almost sort of a deliberate de-development or deconstruction of everywhere outside the capital. It was sort of very much uh, intended to concentrate resources in... in a few relatively large businesses there, and it's hard to not hear the echoes of that in in some of the things you're describing this inability or unwillingness to reach rural areas, lack of investment in agriculture all of this sounds depressingly consistent with that with that history
0: and you can go back you, you can back go further back. I'm sure
1: go <laughs> yeah. much further.
0: Yeah, no, but I, I I know what you mean, and I, I have to tell you that one of the things, you know, we are sometimes limited by who we are, and there is a part of me that okay, I knew it was going to be a war It's not as if I haven't been you know, entering that the quote unquote international development, doing this kind of work was going to be a walk. Barriers of entry, et cetera. Et cetera. But somehow I, I I I just wanted to believe that people would understand that it's so much needed. In 2016, I had this moment. I remember I was sitting in a conference in New York City, and I said, "They really don't care, do they?" Yeah, it, it. I finally, it finally dawned on me that that people really don't care, and um you know, that was it wasn't so much painful as it was kind of like. Yeah, there's a part of me that, that, that spent years not wanting to believe. So it's about it's about the interests, their interest. It's about the agenda. It's about whatever it is. But it's really not about the country. And it's not about the communities. And if we don't do it ourselves, and we keep on the infighting and the ridiculous whatever, and we continue on the path our you know, we have been too many times, you know, cyclical path, you know, uh we won't get anywhere and that's where that's why i have continued to do this work because i think that there's a role for that and i that's where i'm so sort of committed to trying to see if it it doesn't matter that we have a strong a strong community foundation which because you know we need it and frankly as someone saw there was one woman that i went into and she said if that had existed after two thousand ten. All of this probably would not have happened if we had had a strong national institution, national community foundation. It would have been very hard to justify the development of an international reconstruction committee. Where do you go from here then?
1: Do you sort of give up on the international development world and and that kind of angle on things and and focus at the community level? I, I noted that you've been trying to, to crowdfund, as it were, with sort of individual donations and this sort of thing. What's the, the model going forward if it seems like international organizations don't want to, you know, play ball or, or, or invest in this?
0: There's no simple way, and I think some of it we're going to have to be hybrid.
2: Mm. No
0: one, we have no one coming and saying, uh, this is wonderful, just what 180, and dropping investing big money in us Uh, so some of it we're going to have to kind of like reinvent like we've been approached by some international organizations we've we've gotten some funding for some some program work one of the things we're looking at is okay if some of the work that we do in partnership like right now we're talking to one organization and there's a very comprehensive kind of quote unquote long term model of investment and then you know and then the idea that they, they could help because of they have more no access, raising the money, but we do the work, and but it's also based on our vision and the community's priorities. But we could, because we started, we had a small grant offers first grant program, but then the idea that we could continue having some of this stuff, but also transforming them into grant programs and also, into sort of like a capacity reinforcement program where we continue to strengthen. The other piece of it is that we've managed to build a network that's local, regional, national, international, and, uh, you know, the thing is uh, we know we're going to have to be creative. We've gotten funding from local people. We want to do more of that. We want to try to figure out sort of like what works. I have to tell you, like, for example, like crowdfunding, we got money from people in Haiti and people, you know, Haitians from abroad, but a lot of it too many are are anonymous. So, I mean, some of it, and like, one of the things that I I know we'd love, I'd love to do, we'd love to do actually, not just you know, is is, is a a study of the, 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 of philanthropy, the capacity is there. Mm. The capacity is there, and it and it's very empowering. And I got to tell you, uh, from the start, and people like, for example, that we funded, for last one, uh, they contributed. These communities contributed, and from the start, we said we are not working for you; we're working with you. So, and then there was also this sort of like almost chanting that anyone who's doing work. For us, without us, is walking against us. And that's sort of a strong belief within our network.
1: Just because of the timing, the date that we're having this conversation, I mean, the, the government has just, uh, has just fallen, or the cabinet will have to be reconstituted with a new prime minister due to rioting and, and, and political disturbance, um, you know, ostensibly around fuel prices, but obviously uh, about a number of other things. How does that political story relate to really all of the things we've discussed? You know, you have this sort of predominantly rural population, this kind of process that you're working with there. Now people are looking at Haiti and saying, oh, let's issue a travel warning. There's some riots, you know, there's rioting in the capital. Are these things connected? Um, How does that sort of political disturbance at, you know, a macro level affect the work you want to be doing in the Grand Arts or elsewhere in the country?
0: We have a terrible brand, and, <laughs> and uh, no, we do. We yeah. have a terrible, terrible brand. Trust me. I had to deal with it as an individual, as a professional, mm. and I mean, I've had to deal with it all my life living in the, in, in the U.S., and it's, it's, not, it's not easy mm. because people think if you come from a poor and underdeveloped country, your mind is like that, um, and they have no expectations. I mean, what is the first thing that very often people say about Haiti, the poorest country about Western is there? Mm -hmm. The other day I gave a shock, like there was a frontiers meeting and I said, I come from Haiti, one of the richest countries in the world in terms of culture, history, and the spirit of our people. So it was like, oh, (laughs) you know, and I mean it. And I think that people are doing a disservice, and I think it's changed. A lot of us are saying it's time to change the narrative. And I think it's part also of it's, it's not just a disservice. I, I think at this point, I just also think that that is almost criminal. It's almost criminal because, you know, you don't invest deeply on in the long term in something hopeless. You throw some money. You throw some bones, which I feel like this is what we've been getting but you don't invest very deeply into something that you believe doesn't have a future. Mm. So that has, this is very detrimental. You also don't uh, invest in people that are not investing into themselves, except that the narrative of people investing into themselves, Haitians in Haiti and abroad doing a lot, is not being shared and is not being talked about. Because it's easier to make space for the white saviour and for the entire system of aid and international development. Okay? Mm. And Haiti is not alone. That's the way it goes. But this also needs to change. It is not acceptable. We are leaders. Every day in Haiti, in small communities, you have people that are the go-to people that try to find the resources to help and everything else, at great cost to their health, and their lives, okay? You have small community, some small community organizations that are fighting for their people. The idea that it's all going to be dismissed because it doesn't fit in some international aid map and it's not being acknowledged, or it is not, it cannot feel like a 100-page report, Mm. okay, is obscene and
1: unacceptable. You'll get no argument from me, of course. And I, I wonder, are there emerging ways uh, of sort of starting to capture that, which you know are not 100-page PDF uh, planning documents? Um, have there been people who are doing a, a better job um, of capturing that? Perspective, And, you know, this is probably not the conventional development organizations, I assume, and it's probably not the conventional government actors. But are there any sort of uh, positive developments in that regard or anything you you have been pleased with in the last
0: few years? There are some people, you know, documenting some of that. I mean, I, you know, I can talk for ourselves and then say that we put together a report for the planning of the Ghana's, you know, mm-hmm. putting everything in context, putting information, making sure that people from different sectors had access to the information, and that uh, promoting the proactive aspect of development, and people actually are very well aware of that. And that already has had an impact where people just say to international NGOs, you know, we've gone through a planning process. Mm. I know you want to work there, but, you know, Here's the information, maybe you can help us with the priorities, which is a huge you know turn one and difference but um the the other side of it, because there are research organizations, there are people into some of this, there's a need for more of that to be done. I had what I felt was perhaps a little strong and difficult conversation recently with. The people who put together what they call a white paper about the state of development and philanthropy in Haiti. They sort of provided a very limited view of philanthropy. It was really some sort of a proposal, just kind of like saying, oh, where are the people who can really help you in Haiti? Mm -hmm. Um, And I just said, I don't know what you want to call it, but call it a white paper, especially that you have access to a network, to a wide network. If people read that, I mean, there wasn't a context, a cultural context. There's a lot of uh, system of, there's a system of culture of there's a culture of, of helping in Haiti. There's a lot of that going on. There was no sense of that. Yeah. There was no sense about some of the local, you know, foundations that are there, you know, there may be family, you know, all the, the people that are, that, that are doing there and what their needs are. There was no analysis of, you know, faith-based, there's also a sense that the the elite doesn't give and they do give, but you know there's no analysis of that either you know there's there's just there was a lot missing it was very, very inadequate, and for me, it was also misleading because if people are really interested in me helping, give them something meaningful
2: hmm.
0: give them something that's closer to reality at least try it doesn't have to be perfect, it doesn't have to be whatever.
1: One of my um, go-to questions, what advice do you have given to yourself back in 2009-10? <laughs> you know, well, I'm hearing a lot of uh, difficulties, frustrations. Um, oh, yeah. I think very justifiably so, but you know, with the benefit of that, having gone through that and having done that and, and, and <laughs> gritted your teeth in some cases... If you were to go back to 2009, what would you do differently or what would you tell yourself about, you know, where to focus, where to prioritize, what's going to work, what's not going to work?
2: Um, I joked
0: the other day and said to somebody that now looking at things, I mean, it's like, okay, after going to my experience People would say to me, do you want to get involved in, in international development? Uh, and they would say, oh, here's a, a shark tank. I'd say, I'd take my chance with a shark tank. <laughs> I think I try to be very true to myself. I'm very honest and earnest. And, and I, I stay, I've, I've decided a long time ago to remain open. That can be very painful when you're facing betrayals and people trying to humiliate you and, and, and everything else. It's it's a very it's difficult or attack you. Yeah. So I think I probably would have been a little I don't know I don't know if I, I can like less a little bit more circumspect, mm. a little bit less optimistic perhaps, but perhaps that's really what 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 helped me move along. So there's that. Um, The other piece of it, I remember once I made a presentation, there was a panel that was kind of about the moment where I talked about a lot of this and said, I gave um, gave, uh, blood, bone marrow, you know, a kidney,
2: Mm.
0: that I used to have more hair, and uh, people were laughing and I said, you know, I'm only half kidding.
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) I'm not joking. Uh, I... I I gave myself too much. I gave too much. And it it wasn't just me that impacted, because I got to a point where I actually started getting sick. And uh, we only had to kind of like step back. But, you know, it was a combination of things. I I think it's not always healthy. Not just for you, but also for the organization. And I have tried, I probably would have tried to make sure that, you know, I took on less and, or, or try to do, to give myself myself some slack, and whatever. I, I just feel like, um, I don't know, I just let it consume me. Mm. And I wish, there. I, I wish I, I had not done it so much. Um, But, you know, you live and learn, because as much as you have difficulties and, and frustrations, there have been just, for me, seeing, trend, you know, the development of leadership of, of people, yeah. seeing people grow. Um, and probably the best compliment that I got was from this Lopot, who was like the, was now the, the, the leader of the Garnas region. And if, I remember we were having this planning, this big planning session with all of the different networks, and we're expecting about 70-something people. And so he made this amazing... Presentation, amazing presentation. And after that, I said, You know, your presentation was amazing. And he said, Well, it doesn't happen just like this. And I said, uh, What do you mean? He said, Well, you inspire us to be our very best. And that was the best compliment I've ever written in my entire life.
2: Mm.
0: Because I think. One of our big issues, is, I mean, for me to have, even though yeah, we're a small organization, even though we have a huge vision, we have so many people have made sacrifices. I mean, the regional planning process, what we did with tens of thousands, what people, you know, haven't been able to do, and, you know, in, with millions. Mm. Because people were giving their weekends for, well, frankly, it took two and a half years. <laughs> mm. And you know, there was this this sense of of movement, so all of that and feeds me. So I'm happy when I'm dealing with the community. I'd rather not deal with the politics, you know, the the politics of funders and all of the complication and whatever. I've no no I've I really dislike all this. But seeing the strength of communities, seeing how people are connected within their communities or the sense of of family that has developed, and seeing how a lot of the barriers have fallen um, apart, and I won't be wishy-washy and say, oh, it's all fallen apart, no, you know, there are, you know, things, but for the most part, you know, it, it just gives me an amazing sense of pride and satisfaction yeah. But I've got to move on because, and I, I've got to move on. I'll be involved, but I want to move on because I don't want to be needed. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't want to be needed. I want it to be stronger. I want to be stronger without, without you know, with more and more without me.
1: So what does that look like going forward for you you need to... Be less all consumed, all occupied by this. How do you go forward staying involved but not consuming yourself, as you put it
0: in the process? Well, I've I've done some of that, obviously. Not as as drastically, but Mm -hmm. progressively. Trying to figure out what's next. What do I do when I, I don't know, I want to say go up, but, you know. Because part of I me mean, want to do some writing and some 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 things. I've been looking for positions, but it's not obvious
2: because
0: mm-hmm. I don't fit. You know, I, I mean, it's like I've done work here for the most part in the U.S., but then I I could not see myself working for some organizations because of my perspective and my beliefs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, I would. Love to do some work outside of, of you know, in other countries than, than, than Haiti. But I think that, again, most of the time, if they are consulting, it's usually they, they tend to select more uh, uh, sort of, you know, white consultants, frankly, um, or Westerners. So so I've got to figure out what's next for me. I mean, Haiti has me. Well, as say has me. You know, yeah. it's not like, it it has me. Here has. is this strange country, and some people I've seen, some Westerners, where basically it grabbed, it grabbed them. But he is so much. It's like I I joke and I say I have a bit of its soil and its sunshine in my veins, but yeah. it, it does. I the police there, somewhere, somewhere, I'll always be involved.
2: Yeah,
1: it's a difficult one to take uh, one step out for sure.
0: But, you know, it's been an amazing journey, you yeah, know. Amazing journey. Definitely one of growth. I had to grow a lot. Mm. As a person, I've always had, I've always been entrepreneurial and getting things done and everything else, but very little patience for politics and everything else. With this initiative, I've had to learn to control my control my impatience, and stick to it while maintaining my integrity. Mm. And it's not necessarily easy. And I had to grow. It made me grow personally and professionally. Uh, it also made me grow spiritually, frankly. So we'll see what's next.
1: We'll see what's next. One thing I am, I'm asking everyone I talk to, do you have a book that's maybe not technical, but really sort of resonated for you throughout the last, well, through your life, I guess, but certainly the last nine, ten years?
0: There's one book, and I can't say that it's like, oh, it's been my guiding thing, but there was a friend of mine who gave me this book, this woman that got from Liberia who got a uh, uh, Nobel Prize with the president, sure. she's this organizer. She was organizing the you know the women's movement and the women's network, you know the peace network. I There's notice. a book that she wrote. I'm sure you know it. And uh, this friend of mine said, was you have to read it." That was a few years ago, and she sent it to me. felt like I was very inspired by her story of transformation and. The way, you know, I mean, and and, and everything that happened to her and you how she grew and um, all, all this entire peace movement ended up being against all odds, ended up being coming together and be successful. The Lema Gabay,
1: Mighty Be Our Powers, is that the book? Exactly. Sorry, I should have known that. I have had a brain slip there,
0: but I... Uh... No, yeah, I did too. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I can't say that it was my gutting, but I, I remember I was... When this went on my in the book and I read it and I couldn't put it down. I was, you know, I thought it was a wonderful story. Was there
1: anything that you sort of had in mind but uh, hasn't come up that you wanted to add now?
0: I, I've done so much for the love of my country, and there is so much. So for me, it always saddens me. Uh, I would just urge people to go beyond the horrible images and the stereotypes and everything else and and try to to be open. Mm-hmm. we had somebody that came uh, from the uh, Ottawa Community Foundation you know to train uh, the board of the foundation community foundation in October last year mm-hmm. and he put together a workshop we had a, a three day workshop planning and everything else and and he did a wonderful job and he was doing it in French too which is another thing you know I really want to make sure that things are Culturally appropriate and preferably, so like in our language. If it's not real, if it's French, mm. and um, and I remember he was so open, and he had such a great time. I mean, we naturally had a great time too, but <laughs> he, had, he had he had such a great time, mm. and I feel like so many people are approaching, you know, him with such a closed mind and such a negative standpoint. And I would just basically urge people to just open their minds.
1: You are listening to One Step Forward. We are all about stories of working for social good in hard times and tough places. My name is Ian Quick. Thanks for listening. And just a quick reminder, this podcast thing only really works by word of mouth. So if this episode resonated with you, please share with someone you know who might be interested. Rate us on iTunes or anywhere else for that matter. Join the conversation at One forward.fm Thanks and bye for now.